Right, so Vincenzo, you know, we've had an interesting uh, episode so far. We've been talking about, you know, like life outside the track. We've been touching on some of your NASCAR experiences, which we're still yet to go into, but we will very shortly. The new sprint race weekend, Taylor Swift gossip. And uh, yeah, another rumor. I know Georgie's going to be playing that song. Rumor has it. Ooh, rumor. Listen, I'm going to continue singing. I'm Before I get clipped, uh, there's one other rumor that we wanted to discuss before we get into the other stuff as well, Vincenzo. And it was, and I'm going to bring the source of this as well because I know they want their credit. It is from Matt Archuleta which is a IndyCar kind of fan and gets a lot of kind of the uh, the IndyCar insight into most things before they happen. And actually the article also was written by planetf1.com. So shout out to them as well. Uh, definitely going to credit them for this article. Rumors have it, Vincenzo, that Liberty want to buy IndyCar and turn it into American F1 feeder series. Now, again, like, is this something that's come across your radar over the course of the week? You know, on top of that, is there any potential benefits of Liberty trying to buy IndyCar? And, you know, considering that you went to NASCAR at the weekend as well, is it the sort of thing where you, you sit down and say, IndyCar is IndyCar and NASCAR is NASCAR? Like, they should have their own identities and their own heritages and they shouldn't be seen as a stepping stone into F1? Or, like you mentioned, is this F1's marketing scheme to make F1 the kind of pinnacle of all motorsport? And then to have all of these other kind of motor sport disciplines as segues into the, you know, the grand kind of finale as such. What's your take on this rumor? Um, well, from what I heard, IndyCar refuted the rumor and said it's not true. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to hear that. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think they should sell. I don't think it would be an, you know, Liberty Media is an entertainment group. Mm-hmm. Tying it in, it's a sports entertainment group. Tying it into Formula One um, would probably not be a great idea. But I get what I get the thought process if it was to happen. Um, here's the thing, Rod, uh, the Penske. Penske Entertainment, they purchased the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, and IndyCar Series in 2020. It, they've only had it for two, like not even two years, or not even three years, sorry. I don't see them being interested in selling. I don't see the benefit. I also think that IndyCar is in a unique position right now to gain more traction uh, especially with just motorsport seemingly taking on a little bit more interest or getting more popular thanks to what f1 is doing and and other series as well i I just i i don't see why making this a feeder series to f1 would be a good idea It, it should be able to operate on its own and it should, which it does, and it should be able to operate as an entity that's side by side, right? Or uh, that's just equal to Formula One, similar to MLS and Premier League. I mean, yes, obviously the competition is not as good in MLS as a Premier League, so it's a bad example. But it's the same, you know. It's it's each country kind of has its own league in football. You have you have your league, your you have divisions, and and that's how it works. You have your own ladder. Formula One has its own ladder. I think if Formula One truly is interested in this, the reason would be it could they they would think it could help them with popularity in the United States. Ultimate the ultimate goal, right? Mm-hmm. And and or they are realizing how difficult it is to crack the Americas um, because while they, the numbers might be great or good and they're adding another Grand Prix, you can't just keep adding Grand Prix to, to keep fans interested in the U S right? Like that's not going to help you. 
So they have to figure out another way to keep fans engaged year round. I I don't know. I don't know that IndyCar would, would want to do that. Yes. You know, I could see that formula one may want to make that happen, but I just, I, I truly do hope that this is false and I hope it does not get touched because it would be, it would lessen IndyCar almost, right? Say it's like, oh, you're just a feeder series for F1. That would be terrible. I definitely echo your sentiments there, uh, Vincenzo. And I agree, you know, IndyCar has its own significance. It has its own audience. It has its own appeal. You know, for many years, I think there's been a kind of uh, snobbery or like a rivalry between like some Americans and some Europeans as to, you know, what really is the grandest kind of open wheeler series, whether that's IndyCar because it's a spec series. And ultimately, there's more emphasis on the driver and team. Or F1, because like it's the pinnacle of motorsport engineering. And, you know, you have also the kind of classics like a Monaco. But then, like you mentioned, IndyCar has its kind of prestigious races, like the Indy 500. And there's so many drivers like Mario Andretti, you know, Pablo Montoya, all of these kind of superstar drivers. And, and obviously dynasties like you could say Penske that have this program in IndyCar only for it to you know then become like a stepping stone to Formula One which I was quite like quite concerned when I saw that too and like you're right as well I think it actually kind of reflects more on F1 you know is it a thing where they feel like you know they're not kind of breaking into the American market as exponentially as they could you know, which is something really interesting to see now with free American Grand Prix being added. And I have to definitely agree with you as well, man. You know, I mean, kind of like a lot of people are on the internet talking about Kyle Army. There's arguments that maybe, you know, to fill up the 25 uh, grid calendar that some classic circuits like Spa might have to make way just for the, the likes of newer street circuits to come on board as well. It's a really interesting one, and like it's, it's it's the first time ever really seen like another motorsport series being dragged in, you know, as kind of like a, a bargaining chip or almost like a chess piece, you know, in part of a, an elaborate kind of thing to continue to build the value of the sport. So it's interesting, and even though it sounds like it could be very far fetched for now, I'm still kind of glad that you know we 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 addressed this rumor and at least as well we we talked about it because it's so interesting and it's almost like two universes it's like wwe it's like having smackdown and having raw and then seeing two complete different universes kind of blend and merge together and you know for some people they might think oh sounds a bit interesting but i think like you and i in a more traditional sense yeah it's it's um it'd be tough to kind of see like IndyCar lose some of its value or, or some of its shine just because of F1 and their kind of like approach. So definitely agree with you. And um, yeah, just to change up a bit as well, Vincenzo, we'd be remiss if we didn't speak about this as well. Ah, the, the red outfit from Marinello, Vincenzo, you know, that Italian team that to me, you know, in my childhood, they stood for so much, you know, and, Last year, we saw glimpses. We were like, oh, we might have, you know, the, the prancing horse back again. You know, we might be able to, you know, sing like we used to, you know, the Tafosi when, you know, they had the red flares and they had like the, you know, the huge wigs. <laughs> they were just celebrating. We, we, we saw glimpses of it. And then obviously throughout the season, we saw reliability issues creep in. We saw poor strategic mistakes we made. Going into this season, Ferrari made that kind of like push to move Bonotto out and to bring, you know, uh, Fred Vasseur in. What's your take? You know, I'm going to let you say the F word since you've got that magic Italian accent that we need to somehow record or soundboard one day when I get a soundboard because you say it with that, that Italian finesse. <laughs> but, you know, like, what have you made to the start of this season? You know, it's been somewhat of a, okay, let's try and reshuffle it, smarten it up a bit. But again, reliability has plagued the team and also like a really clumsy result in Australia too. You know, like, um, what's your take on it? Is there pressure on the team this season? Where do you realistically see the team's uh, outlook or goals being for this season with, you know, the, the current performances that we've seen so far? Yeah, it's an uphill battle. I mean, it's... It has not been pleasant to watch. It hasn't been pleasant off the, you know, off the track either. 
there's been a lot of shaking up just just today you know Laurent Mekis was uh headed over to Alpha Tauri again not a bad I don't think it's a bad thing I think there needs to be some shaking up but usually when you've reached the point of we need a shake up it means that things are a lot worse than maybe they appear and so I'm, I'm and I surely don't think it's a Vasur issue I think it's uh an issue within the team, within the, you know, operation, how things run there. There is a sense of pride. There's a sense of mm, secrecy, for lack of a better word, but, you know, not keeping or not, not letting anyone know what's going on or not accepting blame or fault for things. I mean, that's just all part of what it means to, to be there and so it, it has not been has not been exciting at all and if anything it has gotten me very apathetic about the rest of the season um i don't see i don't see the car being competitive now i hope something changes but i don't see it being very competitive and I don't know if they have the pieces in place right now to really make uh, anything happen over the course of the season. They've never, I don't want to say never, but they have not been particularly strong when it comes to technical development of the car. And a team like a Red Bull, they do, they are, they're very, you know, they are very, uh, strong when it comes to developing the car and making changes and getting the most out of it. Mercedes is the same way we saw last year where they started and where they, you know, how they ended up, you know, they, they were coming on pretty strong. They put together some, some nice races towards the end and same thing this season. There's, I think, again, there's, we've only done three races, so you, it's hard to say there's a trend, but Mercedes got, a, seems to have gotten a little bit more, um, maybe some things together over the last race also it's their power unit that's powering the aston martin so that's got to be pretty positive for mercedes when you see things like that and then you look at where um where ferrari is and even their customer team you know the other teams with ferrari engines it doesn't look super competitive i don't know I, some of the tech people I say still think that they have the most powerful engine on the grid. I don't know, but if it, if it's unreliable and you have to constantly turn it down because it's going to blow up, what's the point? So I, I'm just, yeah, I'm pretty disappointed this, this season so far. And it's, uh, I will say it's gotten me interested in some other, other series that maybe I hadn't before. And I'm just taking it as an opportunity to do that. <laughs> Man, I, I definitely can empathize with you on that one, Vincenzo. And trust me, that, that was me <laughs> literally last year around this time. Like, you know, we had the W13 at the time. It was supposed to be that car that, you know, Mercedes owed to Lewis after what happened, you know, in 2021. And like you mentioned, this when you see performances and a car that's not competitive and then that coupled with some kind of strategic things that don't go in your favor, it can be quite frustrating, you know. And it's it's one of those things where a lot of pressure was put kind of onto Ferrari by the fans, by the Tafosi, just generally by a lot of the media people as well. And then to kind of come this season, we're expecting them to kind of pick up where they last left off last year and kind of go up. But instead it's kind of stagnated. It is frustrating, you know, and I, I mean, I kind of like, again, I think there's a lot of parallels between Mercedes fans and Ferrari fans in, in this kind of era, because even with Mercedes, you know, we've kind of had um, Mike Elliott in terms of the aerodynamic design of the car. Again, when we saw the zero side pods and stuff like that, we we're like, ooh, this could be something spicy. And then, you know, when it gets thrown on the car and you see the porpoising from last year and you see this year, you know, still having a huge engine failure, like what happened to George Russell, like, it's not the most reassuring thing. And I guess like you mentioned, there's positives as well because other customers at Aston Martin seem to be getting more with that power unit and their package and making steps forward. So that's always a positive. 
But then, like you mentioned too, it, it, it's it's a sticky one. You know, is it the personnel that change? You mentioned Lawrence McKees, which is a huge kind of like you know figurehead at Ferrari. So see him kind of uh, go down the road to Alfatari is an interesting one. Also, to be fair, we're seeing the same thing with Mercedes and like um, obviously. James Allison kind of coming kind of from the sideline overview position back to actually one of the proper aero designers as well and kind of putting a bit more foresight just in terms of the design of the car as well dynamically. So it's interesting to see kind of wh- what the teams are doing in this kind of midlife phase of these new regulations that came in last year and have been continued on to this year. And like you mentioned as well, like Obviously, Ferrari have such a heritage, not just in Formula One, obviously, as well. They've got this series in terms of GT3, and it's actually a new, complete new, like, GT3 car, the Ferrari 296 GT3, which is absolutely stunning, man. Beautiful car. But then also, you've got Ferrari's, you know, um, contentions in the FIA World Endurance Championship with the Hypercar uh, program. And that looks really awesome as well. So just like you mentioned as well, Vincenzo, like what I implore fans to do as well, not just because like Ferrari aren't doing as well as they should or, for, or Mercedes aren't doing as well as they should, but there's so much more to motor racing than Formula One and so many different series where manufacturers still take part. And, you know, if you love a car brand manufacturer in one series, you can kind of see what their exploits are and who their other drivers are in other series. But yeah, it, it's ah oh man, it, it's a really big head scratcher, isn't it? Because it's a case of, well, at this rate, who can catch Red Bull? Then you know, is all this kind of stuff about the cost cap and the wind tunnel time and the sliding scale? Is that really gonna do anything? And just generally as well, if if Red Bull kind of walk the next couple of years into twenty twenty six, which I guess is the next big kind of uh, rule regulation change philosophically has have the rules achieved what they maybe were set out to achieve which was to make the racing more closer and maybe to kind of help the midfield teams and the the kind of lower ones on the back of the grid a bit more condensed to the ones at the front you know it, it's an interesting one and you know, if I'd ask the next question what's your kind of like take on that too about the regulations you're asking me yeah, no, just generally, man, because, you know, like, we're we're kind of in that thing of, you know, we love Formula One, it's like our bread and butter, but if it's just like, you know, a rebel winning every single race weekend, how, how long is it, you know, before the viewership stagnates, so it, it becomes kind of, you know, too predictable, which is uh, a, a criticism that we hear quite often. Yeah, I mean, so two, two separate comments, regulation, um, this is actually happening um, in NASCAR right now at the moment as well. They're struggling with – they came out with a new car, the next-gen, whatever. And their numbers were up last year, and now they're coming down. They're coming back down to reality. Because um, the racing, what they wanted it to produce didn't necessarily work because now teams are figuring it out, which sounds eerily similar. One, you had <laughs> of pretty pretty impressive racing early on in the season last last year, but as teams started figuring, specifically the ones with more money, uh, it it immediately, um, it immediately made like we were right back to normal or back to you know pre-regulation where it's okay someone's gonna dominate and then second year of racing teams had all even more time to figure it out and now you have you know you're, you have domination hand in hand with with i believe it's gonna go hand in hand with audience numbers tv numbers um all of that i think the more you try to tweak things, uh, the the less time you give. I don't know. I, I think the less time you really are giving fans to get settled into it, right? Like, oh, let's make a change. Let's let's see what happens. And now it's like, well, that change is making crappy. So now let's in, let's implement something else. The sprint, right? Now we're hearing them do the sprint, and it's like, okay, the sprint's going to be exciting for a little bit, and then it's. Just, 
Saturday's numbers are going to start to drop and then they're going to say, let's implement something else. It's like you're just chasing the next best thing constantly. I don't think that's sustainable. Mm, I agree. I definitely agree. You know, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Vincenzo. And it's a, it's a, it's a kind of double-edged sword, isn't it? In terms of you want to try new things. You want to try and be very evolutionary in, in things and concepts that you want to try out and, and do. But at the same time as well, you mentioned in this kind of era where everything's kind of cost cap limited or you want to try and kind of level out the playing field and kind of reduce kind of overheads and spending on carbon emissions on carbon footprints and stuff like that as well. It's really tricky to kind of find that fine line. And as you mentioned as well, it's just like, it's just a really interesting one to see kind of what directions they take kind of what the teams will do because obviously you know relating it back to formula one you've got the likes of you know total wolf obviously as well lawrence Stroll, and you know the, the figureheads at ferrari as well john elkan and all the ceo and like vice heads there as well that you know have mm-hmm. lots to say you know if, it, if it's just the same thing and there's not any actual kind of like you know change in giving kind of the competitors a, a kind of fair chance to catch up maybe in this kind of development race we're seeing but then, yeah, like also, I guess on the flip side too, it's one of those things where it's like forced like likes of you and, and, and myself as well to try different, you know, series and to kind of see the world out of F1 as well. Because, you know, the, there are similarities, but then also the things are quite different too. So it's interesting just to, to hear your take on that, you know. And as we round this one out, Vincenzo, kind of final one we wanted to ask you as well was, you know, what are your predictions for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. I'm gonna do it by sprint qualifying, actually, and then the actual race itself. What are your pre- top top three predictions for the sprint quali yeah. and the actual race itself? Um, oh, top. This is gonna sound like a cop out, but I think we're going to see in the sprint qualifying win it. And I think you'll have um, Max behind him. And I think you'll have Russell in third. For actual qualifying, I think we're going to see Verstappen, Alonso, Perez. And for the race itself, I'm going to go with Verstappen, Russell, or yep. Verstappen, Alonso, Russell. Ooh, good choices there. And again, it, it'd be interesting to see how the mix is because, again, Fernando really just seems like he's going into this new Aston Martin and how they've got things baked down there as well. I think George is definitely going to try and come back with a bang, not literally this time because, you know, like he was quite adamant that he would have been able to kind of hold off Max and Lewis and that DRS train that he had dragging along until the safety car and then the unfortunate engine failure. And then that's the thing, uh, Vincenzo. Like, it's always interesting with Baku because whilst, because it's a street circuit, it doesn't really promote that much overtaking in the corners. It does kind of lead teams to go around things in a strategic way. Like, you get the teams that will just kind of do their own race and, you know, if they have to double stint, they'll double stint and put two sets of tyres on and pick the fastest way. And you'll get some teams that will try and just do the lonely one-stop on on the kind of thing that a safety car might come out. And then they'll be able to change their tyres whilst everyone already pitted and then gain track position anyway and hold it by pitting under the safety car. We've seen that all, like numerous times over the last couple of years as well because always a crash or always a tyre failure with it just being such a high-speed circuit too. So it'll be interesting to see, you know. And um, yeah, one definitely I think that people will put more eyes on just because of this revised uh, sprint set up as well for the weekend so definitely interested to see and we'll be holding you to your predictions as well bro so let's see what happens but final thing as well before we let you go yeah you know could talk to us more just about any upcoming projects your experience as well from the nascar kind of uh weekend as well i know that you've kind of been sprinkling in some of your answers but it's generally any other funny stories or or interesting things you think the listeners might want to know and also before we wrap it up as well Vinny, what did you make of Charles Leclerc's new song? Charles Leclerc has gone from full-time professional Ferrari driver to part-time piano player. And he released a song on Spotify, which was uh, very unexpected to say the least. So yeah. well, what's your take, man? And yeah, like, you know, like, let's hear what you have to say on those things. I haven't heard the song, 
Ooh, controversial, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard it. I every time I search for it, it doesn't show up in my Spotify. So I I just kind of gave up. Um <laughs> that's to be honest with you. I heard he's pretty good at piano. That's what some folks that heard it said it's it's very nice. Um doesn't I mean, me ask you, piano. this as well, yeah. like are you a bit surprised that Ferrari let him put that out? Because, you know, like with the brand, like Ferrari are quite, I wouldn't go so far to say conservative, but almost like they want the drivers to look a certain way, to portray themselves in a certain way and behave a certain way, whether it's on or off the circuit. And I don't know if you remember in that Drive to Survive episode where Sebastian Vettel knew he was going to get basically kicked out of the team and he wanted to say something to the media. And then like the media lady was like, no, you're not saying that. You still work for Ferrari. You're not allowed to, to see stuff like that. You mm-hmm. surprised that they're kind of giving the drivers a bit more flexibility to do stuff like that because that's kind of unheard of. I've never seen a Formula One driver in their actual full time thing like release a song. Is this like a changing of a guard thing? Do you think it's just because maybe the championship isn't on, so they're kind of giving Charles some kind of creative freedom to do what he wants? What's your take, kind of take with that on from the commercial point of view? No, it's it's allowing drivers to just have their own personality mm-hmm. i think i don't think it's anything deep than that you know I, we we know these drivers have of um, um other interests and right i mean this is good this, this is, is what drivers should be doing they should have they should be able to um have interests and and take advantage of those things outside of and you see it in other sports right there's plenty of athletes that do other things um liberty is definitely in and has given them freedom to do more uh and and so i love this for him i don't think it has anything to do with the championship i'm sure he does this anyway to keep himself kind of relaxed and chill regardless. So yeah, I I'm I'm happy for him. I'm proud that he gets to do this. I think this maybe this will relax him even more. Maybe he's like, cool, I'll get get out of my own head and I'll just go focus on the piano when you know racing or when I'm not on and when I'm on the track I'll focus on the track. I mean his performance is it, it hasn't suffered mm-hmm. is the problem. But he's he's not like a, suddenly a bad driver because he's released one piano song. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I agree with you. And to be fair, I mean, from my perspective, I think it's a cool thing too because I also play like an instrument. I play guitar, and Lewis. That's that's the kind of thing where the the Ferrari Mercedes rivalry will probably end up going, Vinny. Because like, how how did Charles release a song before Lewis? Man, that that's the thing that caught me. Like, I was expecting Lewis. To True. Did, dro- did Lewis? Didn't Lewis do something a couple? years back well, he, where he yeah, sampled he, something he, man like he, he does his own thing on the side but also he's basically there's this un like identified like feature artist that's on a christ i think it's christina aguilera song called pipe down or something like that mm-hmm, and then like mm-hmm. a, another singer called xnda which sounds exactly like Lewis Hamilton. And for years, we've been huh. trying to pressure Lewis into admitting it's him, but maybe he doesn't want to come like full circle with his like music career just yet because the uh, guy's got funny. so many different things outside the circuit. But yeah, man, I was just like, damn it. You, you, <laughs> definitely. You know, I was like, damn it. You guys let Ferrari beat you to the music kind of scene as well? Damn it. But yeah, no, I agree uh... with you. Man. I think it's important, you know, for the drivers to have their the outlets creatively. And yeah, even Lewis, you know, he's one that's going out and doing his fashion, doing his movies, doing his music. And, you know, when you give him the right car, it doesn't seem to phase him. So I definitely echo your points there, you know. And then on the other side of things as well, Vinny, like, you know, tell us more. Like, how was the whole NASCAR experience outside the stuff you really told us? And what other, you know, projects or exciting things can we look forward to hearing from you on in relation to any upcoming experiences or projects as well? Yeah, um, the NASCAR experience Talladega is fantastic. I'm going to be in um, some of my newsletter stuff as well as I'll, I'll continue to be, t- you know, tweeting about it. Uh, it is 
it is like the it's like the mock this all weekend this it's like monaco for nascar um <laughs> It, it's just such a it's such a party. People come from all over the country to uh, in their I don't know if you guys I don't know what you call them in the UK, but hands uh, are are uh, recreational vehicles. Um, I mean I'm talking luxury campers. <laughs> I mean these things are incredible. And it's just one big party. There's an entire strip known as the Boulevard that ever, it's just one big party for three. Um, the track is iconic. There's haunted stories about the track, uh, things that happen. The track doesn't have lights, so they have to race during the day. It is the facility itself is really, really it's, it's huge, but it's cool. Um, they've built a new ex fan experience center for fans to um, kind of enjoy it, the race or the race day a little bit more. Um, they've added a, a garage experience where you can actually kind of behind a fence watch the cars being worked on. Um, it's it, it was it was really really uh, impressive. And you know when you at least in the United States, if you say Talladega, it's you know it brings brings up a lot of um, memories for a lot of people, but it also brings up a lot of, um, you know, history and, you know, the great Dale Earnhardt was, I believe he's the winningest driver there. It, you just feel something when you step onto that. And as a motorsports fan, you're just like, wow, you know, some really, really incredible drivers have been on this track and have driven here and walked through these on these grounds. And yeah, I, it was, it was awesome an experience i would go back to in a heartbeat um i believe there's another race in the fall so it's definitely absolutely consider and it's made the made the the, the break here for nfl the break for uh, f1 you know pretty pretty easy to to sit to to get through um Right now, the projects I'm working on is just the newsletter still there. It's still something I, I um, you know, put my time and effort into. Readqualifier.com, and and uh, that's that's majority of it. I mean, I, I I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. That's where I'm posting a lot of content and trying to trying to pick up the. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the focus. Thank you so much, Vincenzo. Honestly, and that's really awesome as well, just to hear about the experience and to kind of get that insight as well. Because, you know, we all kind of pride F1 kind of on this halo. But, you know, I think people fail to kind of see that, you know, motor racing outside of F1 is just as cool, just as interesting, just as engaging and just as fun to experience as well. So, you know, thank you for kind of giving us those insights as well into the world of NASCAR, because something we definitely as a podcast need to try and get more coverage of as well. And, you know, we're definitely supporting you all the way as well, bro. We love the content. We love the insight. You know, we love the discussion as well. Big shout out to you and the work you do for the newsletter, the readqualifier.com. Make sure all our listeners go and check that out and obviously subscribe to that as well. Amazing source of information and, you know, hot topics in the world of motorsports, business and, you know, the rest. And yeah, Vincenzo, man, just keep up the amazing work you're doing, bro. We're so proud of you. It's an honor to always have you on this show and to, you know, chop it up on things, whether it's Ferrari, whether it's, you know, F1, whether it's this kind of commercial stuff in and about the thing as well. You're a superstar. So thanks a lot, man. Anytime. It's a pleasure being here with you guys. Thank you so much. And guys, this has been the Stripping the Dipping Podcast here with your usual co-hosts, uh, AMG Dens. Man, I'm missing my co-host, F1 Black, though. So big shout out to Black. And uh, hopefully he'll be back with us soon. And, you know, we just wish him and his family all the support and all the love in the world right now. But yeah, this has been Georgie Stripping the Dipping. Special guest Vincenzo Landino in the building. Always a pleasure. And yeah, make sure you like, make sure you share, make sure you subscribe. And until next time, guys, it's been your boy AMG Dents, and I'm out. Peace. Hello, and welcome to the Stripping the Dipping podcast. You're joined by your usual co-hosts, the MDM, the modern-day Morgan Freeman, a.k.a. AMG Dents, baby. And we're blowing up.
bombs inside here because as always we like to have explosive energy explosive uh podcast episodes and of course some amazing fiery guests as well to help me season this very very delicious episode so you know we've got our resident italian stallion in the building you know this guy is business 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 you know when this guy when when our guest jumps out he's jumping out of a white limousine and then jumping into a ferrari then to like jump into another Ferrari, then to get chauffeured in like a limousine to his destination. That's how extravagant our guest is. And of course, he's actually a returner from season one as well. So without further ado, we're really, really excited to announce and to welcome to the show again, Vincenzo Landino. My uh, bro, Vincenzo, how are you doing? Hey, how are you? Good, good, good. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Uh, it was a pleasure the first time, and so I'm glad to do it again. This is this is good, bro. We love it, man. We love it. We always love your insights as well. You know, you have such a kind of foresight into the world of marketing, into the world of F1, and kind of the the ins and outs of it behind it as well, from the commercial aspect, which a lot of our listeners want to find out more about, or you know, have lots of inquisitive questions about. And man, bro, it's been an interesting kind of three weeks without the circus, to be honest, bro, because. Uh, there's been no F1. We had the Australian Grand Prix last time out. We're heading to Azerbaijan literally in a couple of days' time. But before we move on to that, Vincenzo, I've got to ask you, you know, because you are like a personal friend of the show and it'll be rude not to ask, man. Bro, how's life? You know, how's Amy? How's dad life? You've got to give us a dad update in this upcoming response. And what did you get up to, you know, in the last three weeks in the absence of Formula One? Yeah, uh, Dad life is great. Uh, it's it's the big, biggest blessing. It is absolutely uh, changed my world, but it is it's a, it's a good thing. It's an amazing thing watching the baby grow. She's already one, which is really kind of just I can't believe it because I think the last time I was on the show, she had just been born, and uh, yeah, she's already a year old, which is like time. Just there's no con. There's no con. Or time, I'm sorry, time is just a construct. It exists. I feel like it's just day, weeks go by. She keeps changing. Uh, we keep almost measuring time now as, you know, in terms of where she, like the development. She's in this crawling phase and we don't even know, realize like how many days or weeks go by. Oh, she's in this standing phase. Oh, she's in this eating. Now she's eating this solid food. Oh, now she's eating this. It's just wild. Um, and I would never have dreamed of it being as good as it is. Um, but yeah, so so that's good. Weeks have been kind of great. I'll be honest with you. Um, I told somebody else this. Happy that there was a break. I mean, I didn't want the break at first, and then I thought about it, and I said, "This is this is good. This is a nice." Um, team was or is right now it was a good break i ended up going to the nascar race this past weekend in talladega uh, alabama fantastic fantastic atmosphere it was my first time there ever i really got to enjoy there was no f1 race so i really got to immerse myself in that world for four days that i was there but yeah i'm ready to see what happens with this new sprint format coming up and F1's back, so back to the back. <laughs> exactly that, Vincenzo. Like you said, back to life, back to reality. And um, yeah, like man, I'm so, so like super excited and super happy as well. Just here on the personal side of things too, that you know you've been embracing kind of dad life, as you said. That you know the your daughter's kind of developing, and it's like babies they grow, and you see them mold into a person, and you start seeing them pick up traits and and just doing things and growing stronger and more wiser, and, and kind of doing the things that you expect them to do. It's really a thing that's beautiful and it's nice that you can take those moments out as well just to enjoy it and you know to to make those memories as well so that definitely can't be understated and then yeah like you mentioned as well in the absence of formula one obviously there's been other motorsports happening we had uh, the gt3 season kick off uh last weekend we had a bit of world endurance as well where the falali boys have been uh you know touring their new um hypercar as well which looks absolutely beautiful and like you mentioned as well the nascar which is really awesome and i 
I think, you know, we'll have to circle the block on that one, maybe towards the rear of the episode, just to get your take on that and just to kind of get your experiences, see how you drive, like, you know, what the experience was like in the audience. And um, yeah, just how an experience at NASCAR is differs from like you know a formula one event you know because they're wholly two yeah. different sports with two different fan bases and two different ethoses as well so definitely a great one but hey vincenzo let's kick it off then because um let's in go. the latest bombshell that we've got new mm-hmm. sprint weekend format for the azerbaijan grand prix now question to you vincenzo is what's your initial reaction been to the the kind of shake-up of the the format again um, if you wanted to, did you want to give like a kind of um, a summary of what the changes are and what do you think FOM's kind of intention was with the change? What do you think that they're trying to achieve with this uh, shootout? Yeah, well, you mentioned the shootout already, um, but the new format is essentially uh, Friday. We'll have a free practice and then qualifying for the Grand Prix on Sunday. Saturday, we'll have the sprint shootout or qualifying for the sprint. That's basically what they're calling the sprint shootout. And then on Sunday, you have the Grand Prix. So you've basically gotten rid of two practice sessions, uh, which is, I guess, as a fan is great because, you know, practice three turns into really just, I guess, practice one and three a lot of times get kind of, from a fan perspective, uh, you know, kind of boring. Uh, so you have one free practice now. That's going to be your setup time. You have to go right into qualifying for the Grand Prix that same day after one time or one hour around the track. Um, sprint shootout, there is three three sessions, like an SQ1, SQ2, SQ3. It is... Very quick. It's going to be uh, 20 drivers, 12 minutes, 15 drivers, 10 minutes, top 10, eight minutes. So that's a half an hour, 30 minutes of um, uh, of, of sprint shootout or AK, you know, sprint qualifying. Uh, then for the sprint weekend in, in Baku, they've decided to do uh, too hard, soft. Tires are, I think there's a limit for the sprint shootout. So it's one medium, one medium for SQ1, one medium for SQ2, one soft for SQ3. Um, what do I think about all this? I, I don't have thoughts right now. I don't want to say anything without having, you know, watching it. I understand that what Stefano Domenicali is trying to do, what F1 wants to see keep fans engaged throughout the entire weekend. I, they want fans be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mm-hmm. From a completely business perspective, I get it. From the perspective of creating racing, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what that does because now you look at Saturday and or yeah, would it be Saturday? Yeah. Um, it's just sprint day. It means nothing to the Grand Prix. So really all your important time is Friday. You have your practice session. You have qualifying for the actual GP. And then obviously Sunday's the Grand Prix. In, in creating this, we want to make all three days interesting. You've almost nullified an entire day. That's Again, that's my first instinct that's my immediate gut reaction when i first saw it was that saturday useless um aside from obviously there are points up for up for grabs on the sprint race um but overall it's still not the grand prix it's a shortened shortened race you have the qualifying for that i mean are people watching qualifying to begin with so qualifying for the Grand Prix to begin with. Are they going to really watch a qualifying for a sprint? I don't know. If you are at the track, I think this is great. So this is good for folks that are actually traveling to races. You have so- something going on on track for three days. Actual racing as opposed to you know two days of, of just testing. So it's good for that. 
again, I don't know. I don't want to make comments yet without actually seeing what the product, you know, how it looks like, how is this going to affect teams? The way they set up their cars, how is this going to affect the way they, um, the time they have to make changes and, and, and whatnot. Will it affect the actual on track product on Sunday? If they don't have activation time, set up the car properly is it going to ruin the product that the sunday product um if all of this works well and the sun did then i i think they'll be okay but i don't know again i i don't know until i see it i think that's a really neutral and fair kind of perspective to to rail on it as well there vincenzo and i agree with you in your kind of summary of it too you know in terms of the business aspect, of course, you can kind of see how they've commercially tried to reconstruct the format to get that engagement, to try and kind of captivate maybe the um, the more short-term fans, maybe the fans which, you know, aren't from the traditional kind of era of watching the sport as well. And like you mentioned, if you're actually there at that race weekend Grand Prix in person, it must feel like you're getting like a lot of value for money because you're getting a lot more racing and, you know, you're getting to see more of the cars actually in a competitive format rather than just kind of practice, practice, qualifying and then race traditionally. But then kind of to dig in, into a bit deeper, Vincenzo, because like we've already had a couple of fans write into us as well about this. You know, what does this do for like the remote fans like the fans that watch from tv because i think a really good point that somebody made was what if like for example they work monday to friday and then because of the the way that the new format kind of sits at the moment they'll miss the practice session which is not really i guess the biggest thing on earth unless you know you're really into following the new techs and you know the new kind of parts dropping on the car but then also they're missing the qualifying that sets the grid order for sunday and even this in this season, you know, lots of people can kind of, you know, make their comments about qualifying and say, well, you know, it's only just qualifying and get points for the race. But we've seen races, you know, decided literally by qualifying. You know, this year we had it with Max Verstappen at Saudi Arabia. You know, in practice, he looked like the quickest guy around. And then when he had that mechanical issue with the, I think it was drive shaft in qualifying session, it completely changed the complexity of what the results were on a Sunday. You know, and some of those fans have kind of written in and said that they feel a bit aggrieved or in a sense that the FIA or F1 management or Liberty, they're not catering for, you know, the people that would tune in. And as, you know, we've discussed in a previous episode of Vincenzo, like, I guess equally, whilst obviously there's a lot of money in the commercial aspect of it, it is also, I guess, mm-hmm. important to try and retain, you know, the eyes at, on, on TV and the engagement kind of remotely from the network's point of view. What's your take on that? And, you know, is there a way that maybe Liberty could make it? So, they get more direct feedback from the fans as opposed to, you know, kind of making decisions and then kind of dropping it, you know, on the eve of a race weekend. Fully picked up on what exactly you're asking, but I, I, if, if, let me see if I, if I answer this right. Or, yeah, two. You, Someone that works Monday through Friday might say, okay, I'm going to skip a session, no big deal. And now you've created this moment or you've created this thing where it's anything, right? It's, it's all kind of important. Um, sh- sure, but I, I, on the flip side of that, important that nothing's important, right? Uh, if everything has some sort of major implication, as major implications. That's that's truly how I, I think about things like that. So, sure, you may something in one. You may increase, let's say, um, what's it called? In-person attendance. Let's say that's what they want to go for. Let's just say that's the reason why they do this, because it looks like it's a very in-person attendance type thing. That's great. You've increased in-person attendance. But at the same time, if you decrease uh, te- you know, television audience, tenant, uh, television audience, you hurt, you're hurting one thing, right? It's almost like you can't have both. Mm-hmm. So uh, my guess is F1 saw, is looking and saying, okay, our TV numbers are, are up. We need to now boost our in-person numbers. So how do we fix that? Mm-hmm. But you can't fix both things at the same, same time, right? One may, one may suffer no matter what, unless you're a sport like 
football or NFL or I don't know. I, I don't know. I, those are the two sports, that, you know, two sports come to mind. my head right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, American football and, and world football where every match is pretty is, is pretty packed. Right. For the larger teams, of course, there's there's teams that are not as good that are always going to suffer. And that's just the fact of the matter. But for the you know, top clubs or the top teams or let's say most of the teams, they sell out their stadium and the numbers are always through the roof when it comes to TV numbers. But there's one game once a week. That's it. Sh- much shorter, you know, a shorter season in, in terms of um, how much time it occupies on the calendar. You know, F1, you have something that occupies almost 75% of the year, if not more, which is fine. But the more races you add, the less of a, a Super Bowl or a World Cup you're creating, which is what I think they want. So more races, more sprints, more this, more that. It, it's just diluting the, the main product, which is the Grand Prix. And I think that if you focus on better races. Now, now I'll, I'll, let, me, let me step back for a second. If you were to tell me they were going to go down to a 17-race calendar and do sprints at every single one of them or most of them, I'd say awesome. But you're talking about wanting to do these sprint races mm-hmm. and potentially increasing the calendar size at some point. Or again, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing things like 25 races, 30 races. Those two things I can't separate in my brain. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's just like, okay, now where's the importance of, of these races? Where is the true incredible races we're going to get you know not you know you're going to get some really bad if if this was a 30 race calendar speaking of nascar 36 race calendar there's plenty of really crap races on the calendar and and i talked to a bunch of nascar folks from you know around the nascar world this past weekend and they all say the same thing like oh yeah this one's not a great race this one's not a great race there's, of course, there's 36. Not everyone can possibly be good. If you cut out the ones that are not that great and you just focus on the ones that are really good and making those the best you can be, whole different world. Same thing to F1. I say the same thing to F1. Stop adding. Start making the ones you have bigger. You know, Start making the ones that are good bigger and better. Put all your energy on that. But anyway, I'll I stop there. No, like, I think that was a really kind of balanced and good take as well there, Vincenzo, and I agree, you know, like, I guess with these things, it's hard to kind of prioritize both of them, and like you said, like, I guess now they're kind of looking for that live audience and trying to kind of build the infrastructure of attendance in person for, like, you know, those fans that can make out and travel to different races, you know, but like you also mentioned too, like, in one aspect, if you overdo it, you, you risk kind of diluting the brand, diluting the sport diluting the product and also like we discussed as well you get some kind of fans which you know they're not fans that are like attending fans in person but you know they contribute to the viewership on the tv and then if they can't you know make it to watch qualifying on a friday then you're immediately kind of cancelling them out as well of the viewership numbers too which is a really fair point so definitely and i'm not I'm not saying that nobody's going to watch these things, right? Just like I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I won't watch them. Mm-hmm. I just think you're giving more people an opportunity to say, eh, it's not important. It's just just a sprint. Um, so, again, I, I, I know it's kind of a neutral answer. I know I'm not being as opinionated on it as I possibly could, but it's, I, I genuinely am just not sure what it's going to look like. Um there's there's talk of adding more the, a lot of these sprint races having 12 sprint races have you know is that a good thing is that a bad thing are these tracks the right tracks to have them right like I, i'll say one thing i don't agree with i don't know if, i don't think that baku is the right track to to trial this out on but okay i'm not in charge so <laughs> Well, you say that, Vincenzo, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's the consumer that... When I was working in the, the motor industry, the one thing that, like, the general manager would always come in and slam his desk on the table and say is, 
the customer's always right. And, you know, being on both sides of it, sometimes the customer isn't right. Sometimes the customer genuinely doesn't know their head from their ass, to be honest. But sure. in, in, in context of F1 and the average fan, they have a general idea. And I think, you know, you're right to kind of give the answer you did. I would have given exactly the same one because it's one of those ones where until we try it, I guess we won't know. And also it's one of those things where we can only really, I guess, assess its success or its lack of, you know, achieving its goals with hindsight once it's already happened. So I wouldn't fault you for the, any of the stuff that you said. <laughs> I'm going to say, I want to say this. There's a quote. There's a quote from Steve Jobs. You know, Steve Jobs, right? Oh, of course. Man, Mr. Apple right. himself. <laughs> All right. So it's just a quote from Steve Jobs. And I think it fits pretty well with what we're talking about. He said, some people say, give the customers what they want, but that's job is to figure out what they're going to they do i think henry ford once said if i'd asked my customers what they wanted they would have told me a faster horse people don't know what they want until you show it to them that's why i never rely on market research our task is to read things they're not yet that is exactly what f1 is trying to do they're just trying to get that that's why i i I started right from the outset not i don't know how it is they're trying something they're going to say Hey, we don't know if people actually want this or not. Let's. And you know what? This could be the greatest thing ever. I don't know. People, this could blow away all numbers in the history of any. I don't know. Maybe. I think this is this is the mentality that they're taking. They're taking a Steve Jobs approach to this. Let's give the customers what we think they want or what. Let's show the customers. Let's show you know the audience, um, what they should want and then mm-hmm. and then we'll judge based on that or we'll decide based on that if if it's you know if it's good or not and i don't think this is a let's listen to our customers type thing because it's they're proving every step of the way that they're not perfect example if they were listening to the audience they would have a race in germany a race in south africa a race in Malaysia, but they don't because they they know something we don't, right? And so they are they figure that this is the best way to co- to get whatever outcome they are looking for, which at the end of the day is a higher valuation for the sport, more money coming into the sport. Um, so this is what they choose to do. Yeah, I'm. I agree. You know, it's, it's an interesting one. I think. Only time will tell. And also, like you mentioned, at least they're kind of being consistent with the methodology that they're taking with it. So really interesting one, Vincenzo. And listen, let's let's spice it up. Let's chop something in, new in there as well. Because another kind of big headline that came out of the weekend, bro, was apparently uh, Mr. Senor Fernando Alonso split up with his long-time girlfriend, which apparently is an F1 reporter. So talk about conflict of interest there. But <laughs> jokes aside, Fernando Alonso split up with his uh, his partner and is rumoured to um, have a bit of a thing going on with Taylor Swift, which is a complete madness, to put it in, uh, in North London terms there, Vincenzo. So let me ask you, man, what, what was your reaction to this kind of like stumbling across your desk? You know, like, um, do you know anything about it concerned to where everybody else is kind of seen or said on the internet? And also just from like the marketing kind of commercial aspects of it too, is this something that, you know, wily old folks like Fernando Alonso could potentially play with, you know, considering his profile, considering where he is in his career, considering, you know, like the fan base he has. This is kind of something which him and F1 could play on, you know, to add to their marketability, you know, with such a kind of like groundbreaking successful singer like Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, I don't remember where I was when I first heard some of the, you know, the rumors. Uh, I guess it's it really is just some rumor that somebody had posted that it kind of got out of hand, but it's taken on some legs. And I know in the media center this weekend at um, in Talladega at the NASCAR race, one of uh, one of the reporters actually asked Bob Wall, our driver, about it, which was really weird. And he was like, "Really what?" And so it, it it's uh, definitely something that's taken on. It's a life of its own, and it's 
grown some legs. Uh, I I don't think it's it just got so it, the the rumor got so big that uh, Fernando has just going all in on it. Right. I don't, I don't see Taylor Swift doing or saying anything like she's not, she hasn't made any comments about it, but Fernando, he's made some funny TikToks using Taylor Swift songs. Um, he's referencing some of her songs in his captions. And I think it's actually, I think it's hysterical. Um, good for him. He's making himself relevant with the fan base and yeah, it's fun to see. It's fun to see him embracing um, to see TikTok, but also to see him embracing like this meme, like memes in general and just going all in on it. Uh, you know, in his 40s and he is using this new technology or this these new platforms better than the young guys um so for it like i said i don't think it's real but i think it's great i agree with you man and like even for me that's i can't lie to you vincenzo obviously i was at one time a huge Ferrari boy when michael schumacher was you know driving the f 2004, you know, and then that pesky Spanish guy, Fernando Alonso, came and unfortunately took the throne for King Michael. I, I had a tear in my eye. I was probably like, what, 2004? I was nine years old, Vincenzo. I was nine when Fernando Alonso put me in that kind of pain. But anyway, kind of coming off memory lane, to see Fernando Alonso kind of one of the elder statesmen of the sport and to see him utilizing social media like that, I guess the question I want to ask you, Vincenzo, is like, how important is it for drivers these days to have like an online social media presence in terms of marketability? And what would you like, you know, we're talking about Fernando Alonso. How good of it, how amazing do you think he is at that? Because this isn't even just the first example. I think there's other times we've seen in the in the course of this, this brand new season where, for example, I think George Russell had um been delegated third place in Saudi Arabia. FIA realized they've made a mistake and then say no. Uh, third place has to go back to Fernando Alonso. George is making these, like, you know, president like statements on his Instagram, whereas Fernando Alonso is taking pictures at, of his forehead and saying, Give me what I want. I want back my trophy. Like, how important is that, you know, for like building the connection between the fans and obviously the sport? And, and like I mentioned originally, like, how important is it for a driver to be able to build their social media presence? Yeah, I mean, it's very important. Uh, I got a chance to, and I know I keep referencing NASCAR. It just happened. So you guys are getting the, my, you, you, this is getting my absolute first thoughts on, on um, everything that, that I saw this weekend. Um, it's not even on my own podcast. So this is, this is first uh, listen about it. But I talked to some uh, NASCAR drivers this weekend in the garage and whatnot. And a 45 minute conversation with one driver who is going all in on, you know, Twitch and recipe videos that he's, he's got a pasta sauce sponsor and he's made, he's cooking and making on his TikTok and his Twitch accounts, um, which is a really cool way to engage the sponsor. And it's a really cool way for him. And he streams a lot, does a lot of eye racing. There's a couple other drivers that are really focused on uh, uh, of um, memeable moments and merch like that. Super important. And so seeing or hearing how the doing it, it's no different in F1. It's no different in any sport, really, especially a sport or a series that's so focused um, the individual, right? The individual drivers. It's you're seeing a big shift in how people the series and they enjoy it uh, to a point where they're not following teams. Uh, you know, someone like like myself, I've I've followed a team my whole. You know, I love 
the team. Doesn't matter who drives for them. But there's a lot of folks that a lot of this way that are all about a single driver, all about a single, you know, uh, uh, person as driving for. And so that you know that's a signal especially to the drivers to say connect make them feel like you're listening or or even if you're not listening make them feel like you're connecting with them when you're not driving when you have time to as we get into this you know generation of drivers especially the the young folks like you talked about Russell Leclerc Norris um you know even i would say Pierre Gasly signs you know just these younger guys that are in that under 26 age range they've pretty much grown up with social media troll and that's how you connect with the audience that's how you get better you know uh get connected to better sponsors more money if you can bring money to a team and a sponsor to a team you can get yourself a seat in f1 you know um or that could be the difference between a seat and not getting a seat. Uh, more partnerships for yourself, more opportunity to make money off the track. You know, it's a great example. He's so brandable. He's so marketable that he doesn't even, I, I don't want to say he doesn't need us. He's using whatever equity he does have in F1 still to keep pushing his brand out there. And, that's what Lewis Hamilton does a great job of. Fantastic. He uses his platform to he I mean he's constantly integrated with sponsors, right? Sponsorships that he has and he does a great job. A lot of the drivers do a very good job. There's a lot do, but there are some that don't really do a whole lot and I don't want to I'm not going to, you know, name those or or you know, dig into those that don't, but you clearly see who's doing what with what they have right um or you could clearly see who's trying to engage build up a personality build up a platform build up their brand because once racing is over and once they're done and they're retired from the sport yeah maybe they'll go on to something else but nothing will give them the platform ideally that this gives them so right now is their absolute peak to you know, become brandable and to to connect with that audience and then keep that audience forever, right? Them, you know, once you've got that audience as a fan, ideally you'll keep them even long after you're done, right? The person that you you are or or you know what you talk about, the content you create. But that's that's really the name of the game. Absolutely, you know, and, and I, I agree and second everything you said as well there, Vincenzo, in terms of, you know, for the younger generation, that's practically, you know, your bread and butter in terms of building up that marketability, being accessible to the fans, building a persona and kind of having the links just not with the fans, but also with the, fun, the sponsors. And you mentioned that NASCAR driver, it's a really cool idea. He had his Twitch. 